You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today I want to comb through some of the older, um, I guess we'll call it news, rumors, and generally questions uh, that have been put out there over the past probably week or so. I don't know, it's been a while. There hasn't been a whole lot going on, but uh, the things that are going on that I find to be at least a little bit interesting, we're going to talk about. As always, a five-star review on iTunes is always appreciated. Send me a screenshot of said review, and I will enter you into the contest for a PFF Edge subscription. Be sure to check out the merchandise. Link is in the description. Otherwise, jump into the Packernet Facebook page. Excuse me, group. There is a page if you want to go on there. Check out NFLBigBoard.com. Any questions, please call or text 608-501-0718. If you'd like to buy your own PFF subscription, please use the link that is uh, below in the description. You will not only get 15% off, but you'll send a little bit of that cash my way. Saves you money, makes me money. PFF is happy because they get a new subscriber. Everybody's just happy. I don't know what it is about you that you just don't want to make people happy, but I'm ashamed of you. How's that for high-pressure sales? Did I nail that? You want to go uh, talk about a timeshare real quick? I'll take you out to breakfast. It's going to be awesome. $100 gift card at the end. I'd never steer you wrong. Let's just go look at a property. It's going to be beautiful. If you don't want it, I'll just key your car. No big deal. I think I could do that. It's a career in this for me. Anyways, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we will talk about who knows what. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I want to kind of uh, combine two questions into one. Something that was kind of hanging out there kind of a while ago that's not talked about quite as much anymore for probably pretty good reason. But there was some talk about the Packers signing Crabtree. And we've I've talked about this several times before. Always go to the source because 99,000 times out of 99,001, all it is is somebody going, I think he's going to go to this team. And then it's almost like the telephone game where it's kind of reported correctly. And then by the time you see it pop up on Facebook, the title reads, Packers expected to sign Michael Crabtree. As though Ian Rappaport heard it firsthand that they're about to close on a deal. But if you just follow it, you know, it'll be an article going, oh, so-and-so said this, and then you click on that article and that article, and you follow the chain all the way back to the original source. All it is is an NFL.com article saying, you know, somebody got an assignment. Hey, Jim Bob at NFL.com, I want you to write an article 
of the top five free agents and where you think they would fit best. And then they just kind of spend about five minutes thinking it over, going, ah, I don't know, Crabtree, let's see. Oh, we should stick him with Aaron Rodgers. How about that? And then he writes literally one paragraph explaining why that would be good, which pretty much anybody, even my wife who does not watch football, could probably write a paragraph about why the top free agent wide receiver is a good fit with Aaron Rodgers. In other words, it was a completely nothing article, but then, you know, people take it and get all clickbaity with it and... We, some of us, haven't learned our lesson yet and think that the clickbaity title is an authoritative source. But anyways, let's just pretend that's a real thing and that the Packers plan to sign Crabtree, which I doubt, and combine that with another question because it overlaps quite nicely. So the question is from Eric from Toledo, and it is, in short, if you could be the GM for one day and make one roster move to shore this uh, roster up, what would it be and why? So I know the intention of the question isn't necessarily just to be, you know, give me a list of free agents and what you think, but it's either that or a roster trade. And I'll be honest, I, I just, first of all, as, as I go through that, it's like, who, who am I willing to give up? There really aren't too many people. So as much as I don't want to take the lazy way out, I do want to just look at some free agents. Now, first of all, if I'm the GM, I think I'm just kind of staying where I'm at. And I kind of think that's where the Packers are as well. We'll talk about that with the next question, but hypothetical, let's roll with it. As far as Michael Crabtree and wide receivers in general, I really think the Packers are invested in the guys that they have. And as much as it seems like a scary strategy, I think the plan is we've got enough guys, let's just see who works and who doesn't. We've got the youth, we've got the athleticism, all the pieces that we want are there. We just need these guys to to be coached up and, and be the guys that we need them to be. I don't think adding in a 31-going-on-32-year-old wide receiver into the mix to essentially send a message that despite the amount of depth and despite how hard it's going to be for some of these guys to make the roster, I don't care. I don't have faith in you. We're going to plug in Michael Crabtree, go out, try to be dominant. And if we got to boot some wide receivers that are here because we just don't, you know, I, 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 the message itself isn't great. As much as messaging only goes so far and at the end of the day, you got to win. It's just, it's not, and, and the Packers kind of put themselves in a tough spot. When you get three kind of mid to late round wide receivers, you put yourself in a tough spot where you can't just give up on them instantly, but also you have to ask yourself the question, what if this doesn't pan out? At what point do we just completely bail on all these wide receivers or some of these wide receivers? Because the, the hit rate on a fifth round wide receiver, I, I can't imagine is all that high. So it's kind of a tough, you know, it seems kind of cool at the time, but how long are we going to just sit with these guys because, well, we've got enough guys? Before we say it's just this just isn't good enough and we're just going to draft another one and you know if we have to get rid of our fourth round fifth round guys or or Kumaro or Davis or whoever else Geronimo no we're just going to get rid of them but beyond the messaging there's some other problems number one is the cost and even though he's not going to cost all that much we're sitting on about nine million dollars we need money for our uh, practice squad guys. We need a essentially a rainy day fund if something goes wrong mid season we don't want to just go well. <laughs> I guess we just don't have a right tackle for this season because we have no money. And I wish I could remember the number. I don't remember what it was, but I want to say it was somewhere between 8 and 10. I don't know, 8, 9, or $10 million you want to have going into the season. We're sitting at 9. I, I, you know, that's a problem. Even if he's only $4 million, that really drops you down. Another issue on top of the cost, on top of the message, on top of what do we do with this roster, are we really going to cut a 24-year-old so that we can have a 32-year-old for a year? On top of that is his age. 
The Packers clearly want to get talent, and they want young talent that they can have for a long time. They're not going out and getting the Michael Crabtrees. And then the final problem I have with them is I think Michael Crabtree is good, not great. I think with Michael Crabtree at 32 on the decline, and with, with the expectation that the guys that we have going up, you know, I don't, I don't want to overestimate our guys, but if you think about the number, we've got Equinemius, we've got Marquez, we've got Geronimo, we've got a lot of guys that are still relatively young, still growing, still learning. The odds that one of them is going to have as good of a season as a guy like Michael Crabtree is going to have at 32, I don't think that's a really crazy thing to say at all. Not because I expect one of our guys to have an elite season, but because I don't expect Michael Crabtree to have an elite season, which, by the way, he's basically never had. According to PFF, he had one year where he was elite, and it was just a completely weird year. The highest year outside of his 2012, he was given a 91.3 grade. 2016 was his next highest at 78.8. He's never had a year in the 80s, which is very good. Every single year, with the exception of 2012, it's either been 60s or 70s. That's average to good. Every single year. Now, he's solid, and that's great. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, if we're going wide receiver, we're, we're going all in. Right? You, you, you go out and get an Anto- Antonio Brown type of guy. Now, I didn't want him because of his character issues, also his cost, but that's what I'm talking about. Same thing I said about the draft. If you want to get a wide receiver, fine, but go out and get a Nikhil Harry, go out and get a Hollywood Brown, go out and get an elite wide receiver that's going to be a top-tier guy that's going to compete, that wants to compete with Devontae Adams to be the number one. He's not going to be, but that's what I'm talking about. Don't give me another Marquez. It doesn't do anything for me, and I think that's kind of what Michael Crabtree is, despite his big name and his relatively impressive, you know, career. I mean, he's had 2,000-yard seasons. His one elite year, he had almost 1,400, which is awesome, and 12 touchdowns. But since then, 400, 600, 900, 1,000, 600, 600. His touchdowns since that year, 1, 4, 9, 8, 8, 5. So what are we getting? So I guess that's, that's kind of my issue. I, I wouldn't mind just, if we could just have Michael Crabtree, yeah, cool. I, I'm fine with it. Do I want to pay and give up a roster spot? No, no, I don't. So I'm kind of out on Michael Crabtree. So that, that answers that question in and of itself. It's also kind of an intro into what I would do as a GM. That's not it. Um, another wide receiver, and again, this isn't going to be what I want to do because I just it, it just it is what it is. Again, if I was going to do wide receiver, it was first round in the draft or second round in the draft. Otherwise, if there's a top tier guy, but somebody else that's a little interesting is Kelvin Benjamin. The only reason I say that he had a very very good rookie year, right? Just right out of the gate for Carolina, 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns. This is a six foot five, 245 pound dude. He's he's massive. 2015, he doesn't play. 2016, he comes back. 941 yards and seven touchdowns. Not quite as impressive, but his yards per reception, yards after the catch, yards after the catch per reception, they all went up. Beyond that, his drops, he was terrible with drops in his rookie year despite that, went from 12 to 2. His overall passer rating went from 91.1 to 93.6. So didn't get as many targets as the bottom line. Maybe that's his fault, maybe it's not, but he became a better wide receiver. After that, in 2016 to 2017, Carolina ships him off to Buffalo. So he plays a half a year in Carolina, half a year in Buffalo, something to that effect. It was uh, weeks one through eight, he's in Carolina. 475 yards in eight weeks. Then in seven weeks with Buffalo, he has 226 yards. Why? Brand new team, and it's Buffalo. Then in 2018, he plays for Buffalo through Weeks 13, only has 354 yards and a touchdown. Not good, and it's Buffalo. 
then they ship him off to Kansas City. He was never a starter with that team. In week 15, he had one target, one reception, 17 yards. Week 16, two targets, no receptions. Week 17, one target, one reception, nine yards. In three weeks with Kansas City, four targets, two receptions. Rather than hang out and see what's going to happen, they dump him and now he's a free agent. And he's just sitting out there. So he was a good wide receiver. Then he was a pretty good wide receiver. Then he got shipped off and didn't play well for Buffalo. And that's kind of the end of the story because Kansas City, there's nothing really to talk about. They didn't even put him on the field. So that's the positive end of the spectrum and and, an area where I would be curious to know if, if I had a staff and the staff said, I think he's still got it, I'd be interested. However, number one, there's an injury issue. He missed the entire season of 2015. Number two, Carolina got rid of their top wide receiver and they don't have wide receivers. Buffalo doesn't have wide receivers. They got a brand spanking new quarterback. They dumped Kelvin Benjamin. Number three, Kansas City, who got a chance to look at him, decided they don't want him. They just lost their number one running back and their number one wide receiver. They're still not signing him. Three teams have had a good look at him. They don't want him on their team. Beyond that, sort of a problem, kind of surprising. He's actually 28 years old. He must have been like 23-ish when he came into the league. I was thinking he's like a 25, 26-year-old dude. He's 28. So he's not super young. So, you know, this is a little bit more of a high upside play, but I'm still not really touching it. So overall, I guess I'm just kind of out on wide receivers. As far as what I would like to do, I think the two positions, and they they kind of overlap, is safety slash linebacker. I know safety seems weird, but again, we've got two and we need three, and the question is, is Josh Jones the guy? Beyond that, it's, it's kind of a question of who's available, and I think of the people that are available in free agencies safety is the one where there's seems to be some talent sitting there none of them have the kind of youth that um that the packers or anybody really would be looking for ideally but again if the question is you know this is sort of a dire thing the the assignment is how do we round this thing out and make it uh, a more perfect roster that's kind of where i'm looking and as far as the linebacker goes and i'm not super high on this but there's just really nobody available that i like the only person that really stands out in any way whatsoever is Josh Bynes. Now, his measurables are terrible. He's a 235-pound linebacker that runs a 4.81. That's not helping much of anybody. To be honest, the other person I was looking at was Monte Teo, which seems kind of silly, but it's actually a pretty similar situation. He's a uh, slow linebacker that's somewhat successful. I, mean, I guess sort of a, a Jake Ryan-ish kind of guy. And I know that's not what we're looking for, but I'm I'm just I'm trying to round that out because there's not a lot of bodies there. Now, as has been pointed out, you don't really need much more than one, and then some potential backups, which we have with Oren Burks and um, James Crawford or whoever is going to be the number three there, because that role is primarily being filled by safeties. If that's the case, then that's exactly what I'm talking about with needing more safeties, because we not only need two on the field at all times, as in they never come off. We need a third that's going to be sort of a rotational linebacker type. Now, do I want that to be a veteran? I, I, It's just, I don't know. It's hard to decide how much you want to invest in that position because if they're not primarily going to be playing safety because we've got Savage and we've got Amos and they're not always going to be playing linebacker because there's going to be some Blake and Burks or whatever, I don't know. With that said, though, 
there is kind of a trio that's kind of exciting. And the fact that Amos and Savage can play free safety and strong safety and can slide up as that nickel linebacker if we decide to put him there. If we get a third guy that can do that, we basically got three safeties on the field at all times that can handle all three of those positions. You get people that can play single high, you know, cover two, strong safety, box linebacker, and at least one for sure in Darnell Savage that can play in the slot. It's kind of crazy, but kind of cool to think, what if we got a third? It's somewhat of a luxury thing, but it's also somewhat of a that-could-be-awesome kind of a thing. The question then is, who? Well, the three guys that are out there that I think fit that mold, which pretty much most safeties have played free and strong safety, but Trey Boston is number one. And I don't mean number one in terms of he's the best. I just mean he's one of the options. The other is Eric Berry, who actually in 2016, the last time he played a full season and was just lights out, he was a strong safety almost exclusively, so he might fit that role a little bit better than some of the others because that's primarily where he's going to be. And then Glover Quinn, the guy who I mentioned on the Lions, um, you know, fluctuates a lot. To, to keep this short, between the three, I think if I had to do it, it's going to be Trey Boston. I know I did a big thing about Eric Berry, but I'm, I'm also trying to keep it in line with what the Packers are doing because I kind of I like it, I believe in it, and I don't want to just throw a wrench in this whole thing. Number one, Trey Boston is not even 27 years old yet. He's 26. Number two, he's consistent. Not elite necessarily, but he's consistent. Looking at 2014 through 2018, playing for three different teams, here's his overall grade, 73, 73, 68, 80, 74. He was really only a starter starting in his last year with Carolina. So 2016, 2017, 2018, he's been with three different teams. He's been a solid contributor for each. Beyond that, however, consistent across different metrics. That is to say, he's not elite in one area and terrible in the other. He's average in run defense, he's a good tackler, and he's really good in coverage. He's primarily a free safety, which isn't great because I'd like a guy that's going to be able to play in the box and all that kind of stuff. But I think Trey Boston is going to be good enough to be able to play along the back end. And if you want to use it, in other words, he can be sort of a nickel safety, not in that he becomes the linebacker, but that when you want three safeties on the field, he goes back and plays free safety and one of the other two moves up. Because one of the biggest attributes for Trey Boston is his coverage ability. Over the course of his five years in the league, there he has an NFL passer rating when targeted of 54.6. He's got 13 interceptions to his name, and again, he didn't play that many snaps until 2016. He's averaging around five interceptions per thousand coverage snaps. I know that's a random stat, and I'm still trying to gauge that as a metric. I got that, you know, the pressure rate at about, you know, 10, 12%, whatever, got that figured out. But as a frame of reference, Earl Thomas has about 5.6, 5.7 interceptions per thousand. It's a good number. So you've got the youth, you've got the consistency so that it's not, again, it's not the Brian Burns draft pick where he's real good in one area, but you worry about the other. It's not the D Ford free agent signing where he's really good in one area, but you worry about everything else. No, we're going to draft the guy that's good across the board. We're going to go out and get free agents that are good across the board, right? They're young, they're steady, and in each phase of the game, they're consistent, and across the board, we're just going to have solid. Eric Berry has a lot of injury issues as well as a lot of other health issues going on. He's been real solid, but he's also been relatively inconsistent at times. So, you know, the the real answer to the question is I'm probably just going to let it ride. I'm just at this stage of the game, I'm kind of just going to leave it based on the salary and everything else. If I could just wave a magic wand, what would I do? I'd go get a linebacker. 
based on the guys that are available right now, what could I do if I was forced to do something to help upgrade this team and really kind of take it to the next level? I'd probably go out and get Trey Boston to be our third uh, safety. And yes, that does kind of mean that we don't really have any faith in Josh Jones, and I'm going to be very wrong if he has a good year. But again, my, my real plan is to just leave it and let Josh Jones be that nickel uh, safety and hope that he can really pan out. So anyways, as per usual, I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are, so get into the Packernet Facebook group. If you have Facebook, let me know what you think. Otherwise, hit me up on Twitter or whatever. It's always interesting to hear what other people would do. And of course, the one thing I was too lazy to do, I'm sure many of you would be more than happy to do it, um, if you want to orchestrate a trade, whether that's you know trading a player or, or whatever it is we're going to trade to go out and get somebody, let me know what you think there, but I'm, I'm just not going to not gonna play that game. But I'm very curious to see what, uh, what other people come up with. Anyways, we're going to take a little break, and uh, we'll get into the next question. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So the next question is sort of a two-parter, and um, this is going to be from Taylor from Arkansas. The first thing is uh, one of the guys from the Scouts Honor podcast said he heard rumblings that Tremont would get cut due to his salary. I haven't really traced this, so I don't know if this is somebody in the know who's actually hearing rumblings or if this is one of the things that I talked about before. But either way, again, let's just talk about that because this could actually apply to other people this could be Balaga I think actually Tremont and Balaga could potentially be cut just because these are guys that I think the team wants to push out it's just a matter of do we need to keep them Balaga maybe a little bit less so just because it's such a scary position even if let's say we've got a bunch of great guards and we're like all right let's try Billy Turner at right tackle and Billy Turner's great at right tackle I just I'm nervous to move on but that would be a scenario Right, we got Elton Jenkins and, you know, Lane Taylor or whatever. I don't don't care. Cole Madison. Whatever in your mind ends up being a great guard duo. And then we put Billy Turner at right tackle, which, let's be honest, there's probably a good chance that they are wanting to do that anyways, at least to try it. But let's just say it worked. Maybe they could push him out. But uh, the question is, how do you feel about cutting Tremont to save space right now? First of all, before we get into the, the benefit of it, my initial gut reaction is, we have him, and I, I'm, I'm just going to lump Balaga in here anyways because we have these guys. It's better to have them than to not have them. We don't have a financial crisis. Again, we're right where we need to be, and there's nothing we need to go out and get. No one we need to go out and get. Now, if you want to replace Tremont with Trey Boston because you think that's maybe a better situation, I could be persuaded of that, right? A lot younger, maybe... I don't know about more versatile, but maybe the kind of versatile that we're looking for, more the the safety linebacker as opposed to the safety corner. If that was basically a one-to-one, you can maybe convince me of that. But as I'm looking at it, he's a guy that understands Pettin scheme, not just because it's his second year going into it, but because he's played for him before. He knows the Green Bay Packers. He's been a longtime Packer. He provides quality depth. And and by quality depth, I don't necessarily mean he's a great player as much as I kind of hoped he would be. But quality depth in that if catastrophes catastrophe strikes and things don't go well whether it's Amos gets injured or you know Kevin King gets injured or just these young corners just can't step up and Tremont has to be the guy we have him and you at least have that floor with Tremont you don't have a a very high ceiling but you've got a pretty hard solid wood floor 
nobody's getting through it. Right? He's he's just going to be consistently kind of okay. Pretty good. So I'd rather just not part with him. Same is true with Brian Balaga. I would love to have some depth behind Balaga if and when he gets injured, but I don't want to find a replacement for him. And again, I know this isn't the question, but I'm, I'm lumping it in myself because some people do want to talk about it. I don't want to find a replacement and then push out Balaga because when injury strikes, it's a very important position. Right tackle is becoming about as important as left tackle because pass rushers now just come from everywhere and anywhere. So it's a very, very important position. As I've mentioned you know, a week ago or whatever, if right tackle goes down and we don't have a right tackle, take one real good guess where Khalil Mack is going to line up. They're not going to put him on David Bakhtiari. Why? Why bother? Not that he can't beat Bakhtiari. It's going to be a great battle and all that. Why? Why, why do battle? Just go win. So we have a situation with two players that I want on the team. They're on the team. They're not causing any financial crisis on the team right now. They're more than likely going to be gone next year. No harm, no foul. So with that said, the one question would be, and with a lot of these guys, the the issue is, if you cut, this is kind of my thought with Jimmy Graham. If we were to cut Jimmy Graham this year, we would save some money this year, and then we would have his entire contract wiped out for next year. So he would have zero cap hit next year. We would have some this year. But next year we'd be freed up, and next year is going to be kind of a heavy cap year, right? We're you know maybe going to be paying Kenny Clark. That's going to be coming down the pipe. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' contract goes up. Uh, Devontae Adams' contract shoots through the roof. Right? It's getting kind of expensive. It would be nice to kind of take a little bit of that hit now, so that we get the remainder of the contract done and free next year. The thing is, though, with both Brian Balaga and Tremont Williams, they're free agents next year, so it doesn't provide any benefit to next year. So it does nothing for 2020 for us to cut them. And again, looking at 2019, what does it do? What do I need that money for? I don't know. Just to have it, maybe? And again, if, you, if you've if you got something, if there's somebody out there that's like, dude, go get him. I want Eric Berry. Just pay him whatever he wants. Whatever. Right? I want Indomitian Sue. I want Jay Ajayi. I don't know who you want, but if you think he's out there and you think we just don't have the money, and, and I don't know. I think I, I could maybe be persuaded on Tremont a little more than Brian Balaga because, to be completely honest, I'm still of the mind that we could potentially extend Brian Balaga. There are tackles out there that are playing to 33, 34, 35, 36. Not very many, but, I mean, Brian Balaga is what? What is he? He's 30? Next year he's 30. So if we gave him a three-year contract, he plays until he's 33? That's not that crazy for a tackle. And granted, he's got a lot of injuries, but I don't know that I absolutely cut him out of the equation. Especially if we're not doing anything to rectify this. If Billy Turner isn't the answer at right tackle, I don't know that I want to go into next year drafting somebody, even a first-round pick, and just going, hope he pans out because he's all we got. Because if he's a bum, we just don't have a tackle. And there are teams that just don't have tackles. They don't. There are teams that don't have anyone along the entire offensive line that are able to compete. So I guess maybe I should just stop complaining. I'm just saying I'm pretty far away from let's cut Brian Balaga this year. Again, you can convince me on Tremont, but I like the extra depth at corner. I like the veteran leadership at corner. I like the extra depth he provides at safety. I like the veteran leadership he provides at safety. The entire defensive back room is very, very young. Even Adrian Amos is relatively young compared to a guy like Tremont who's 36 years old. So if he's on the team and he adds all these extra added benefits, unless it comes down to just a cap, or not even a cap casualty, just a 53-man a, a roster casualty, to where it's, you know, 
I don't know, we, we, we want to keep somebody in the 36-year-old corner that isn't going to be starting, isn't the guy we want to keep, and then it's an extra added benefit that maybe he would also add the, 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 the cap freedom, then okay. But just at this point in time, saying, hey, let's just cut him to make more money, why? Why? Can we buy an extra roster spot with it? I, what, what are we doing with it? There's nobody in free agency that's really worth going out and getting at this point, in my opinion. I don't even know what we need. We need a wide receiver. Okay, well, we've got them, and there's nobody that's going to come in and improve the wide receiver room. I don't think there's anybody that's going to come in and improve the running backs. Obviously, court, I mean, do you want to just go out and get, uh, you know, Sam Bradford to be the backup to Rodgers just because? Like, I don't know, he's better than what we got. Maybe. <laughs> I don't even know anymore. And talk about Mr. Glad. I mean, I, I, I think you get the point, right? If, in my opinion, there's no reason to cut Tremont. I think when we get down to the the roster cutdowns, Tremont presents a problem. In that, we've got okay. So who do we have? I mean, again, it's primarily an age thing. But at safety, we've got Josh Jones, we've got Adrian Amos, we've got Darnell Savage. Those guys aren't going anywhere, including Josh Jones, unless he's just complete garbage, and they're just like enough is enough. I can't handle it. But that's not a good situation. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. As far as depth, we've got Raven Green, we've got Mike Tyson, who we just picked up. Haven't gotten into that yet, we will. And then at corner, we've got Kevin King, who's not going anywhere. we got Jair, who's not going anywhere. we got Josh Jackson, who's not going anywhere. We drafted Kadar Holman, so he's not going anywhere. We've also got Tony Brown, and we have five other guys that are competing. If any of these guys can show up, and we're already kind of at that point where it's like, I don't know how many more we need. You know, five cornerbacks and, and four safeties? I, I I really think if Tremont ends up not making the team, it really is just a factor of he's not in the long-term plans, and it's just we, we just want to use that roster spot on, on a younger developmental guy, and we're willing to take that risk of not having the veteran leadership, <coughs> not having that solid floor, because we believe we've got somebody in, you know, in, uh, in, in Mike Tyson or in Javian Hamilton or whoever, so... That's my answer. I could see him getting cut. I don't think he's just going to get cut just to make money. And if they do cut him for the money at like at this time of the year, I would be sitting here looking at my watch going, okay, when are you signing somebody? Because if the point wasn't to free up money so that we can do something with the money, what are we doing? An extension, something, anything, I don't know. But anyways, that'd be my answer. The second part of his question, he said uh, in the NFC East segment that the Cowboys are shopping Tavon Austin. Uh, could you see this make sense for the Packers, not only as a wide receiver, but especially as a kick returner, not to mention he was on the Rams offense when LaFleur was there? So in general, here's sort of my, my general thought process and problem with this overall. Taking it sort of logically step by step, is he going to be a wide receiver that we're bringing in to be a wide receiver? The answer is no, because again, our criteria is, is he like a legitimate solid number two we're willing to part with one of our other younger developmental wide receivers because he's that good the answer is no he's 28 years old so he's not old but i mean he's he's the same age as randall cobb essentially if we're bringing him in to be a wide receiver slash i hesitate to even say wide receiver depth because that's one thing we don't need is depth at wide receiver but okay wide receiver depth slash special teamer well, if that's the case, we already have that guy. His name is Trevor Davis. Nobody wants him on the team. So he has to be a lot better than um, than Trevor Davis. Because that's it. That's essentially what we're talking about. We're, we're bringing in a new Trevor Davis. 
And when I kind of reached out, because one of the things I had said before is I don't understand the Trevor Davis thing, because on one hand, everybody wants special teams to be a lot better. Everybody wants a good returner. However, nobody wants Trevor Davis on the team because he takes up a roster spot and he's just a special teams guy. And everybody seems to want these kind of Tavon Austin guys, but we already have one. His name's Trevor Davis. He's one of the best kick returners in the NFL. I don't understand this. One of the responses I got that's very appropriate is, the guy drops too many balls, and that's true. There was an entire year where I literally had to cover my eyes when the ball was going toward him because I just felt like he was just going to muff the punt every single time. I think this past year, even though he was hurt and didn't play very much, he kind of rebuilt a little bit of that confidence. But even if we bake that in, are we going to get rid of somebody who's a lot better and is uh, quite a, you know, is younger for Tavon Austin just because he's going to be more likely to catch the ball? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it, it it's kind of, it feels weird to even compare the two, even though they've had a pretty similar, you know, I don't know, at this point in their careers, they're basically the same guy, but Tavon Austin was an eighth overall pick in the 2013 draft. Five foot eight, 179, runs a 4-3-4, blazing fast, you know, early first round draft pick, super hyped up, but he never really materialized into very much. Granted, he spent most of his time with a garbage Rams team, but he also played with the Rams when they were good, and then he went over to Dallas, and he just got, you know, one year and out. But if we look at them side by side here as far as special teams, because let's face it, that's exactly what we're talking about. And here's another issue. Aside from Tavon being five years, or excuse me, three years older, he's also going to be more expensive. He's out there saying, I'm a veteran. I'm a first overall pick. I want veteran money. Trevor Davis is still on his rookie deal, making uh, under a million dollars. But either way, we can look at them side by side. Um, kickoff returns you know, per attempt. Tavon Austin is about 18 yards. Trevor Davis is getting 22.6 uh, yards per attempt on punts. Tavon Austin's getting 8.8. Trevor Davis is getting 12.4. Trevor Davis is just a lot better. So, you know, aside from Tavon Austin having a bigger name and uh, maybe being a little bit faster, he's also older. He's more expensive. And and, and listen, if, if, it's, if there's a thought that maybe he's going to be a legitimate receiver, that kind of changes the equation. And, and really, it, it just kind of depends on your opinion on different things. Right? This, is, this is my opinion on the situation based on my assumptions of other situations. But, for example, I think we have slot receivers in our wide receiver group. I think uh, Equinemius can be a pretty good slot receiver. I've been saying that since day one. We already know Devontae is going to be moving into the slot more often. If you're looking at it saying we still need to find a Randall Cobb replacement because we don't have a slot receiver on this team and we need one, and then you look at it and say Tavon Austin is actually a decent slot receiver, then you could maybe bring him in to be the slot receiver and also use him as the kick and punt returner. The only question I have for you then is, why in the world did we get rid of Randall Cobb? Randall Cobb was a slot receiver. He's also a very good friend of Aaron Rodgers and, and has some camaraderie as well as you know the, the telepathy thing. They're, they're on the same page. So that's already in the works. I don't think Tavon Austin is a better receiver than Randall Cobb is. They're basically the same age. And we already know Randall Cobb, if need be, could be a kick-and-punt returner. He's not what he was when he was 21 years old or whatever when he came out into the NFL, but he's probably as good as Tavon Austin is. And the, the biggest reason we didn't put him there is because we took him off because he was too valuable as a receiver. But if he's not that valuable anymore and we don't care about expending our slot receiver, and obviously Randall Cobb we shipped off, I think we would have just kept Randall Cobb. I think we should have just kept Randall Cobb and said, you know what, in order to maximize your value, in order to make you worth keeping here... I don't know exactly how you word that to not sound cold and callous, 
but essentially to Randall Cobb, we'd be saying we'd, we'd like to resign you and we'd like to have you stay as a slot receiver and also be the primary kick and punt returner. Then we boot out Trevor Davis, and that's the new situation. We're not going to get rid of Randall Cobb and then bring in Tavon Austin. So he's not good enough to be like that legit number two. We're not going to use him as a slot slash kick and punt returner because we would have just kept Randall Cobb. And he's not better than Trevor Davis to bring him in, who's older, who's more expensive, to take basically the Trevor Davis role, but just be not as good at it. So I just don't see a place for for Tavon Austin on this team. Again, that equation changes depending on your thoughts on things, but I still, regardless of the way you see it, I don't, unless you just think Tavon is a freak, in which case, I don't know how, but if you think he is, then yeah, all right, cool, let's go get him, I guess. It just kind of answers its own, the, the question kind of answers itself. But I mean, we're talking about a guy whose best year was 509 yards. Touchdown-wise, 2015 was better, 473 yards and five touchdowns. It never materialized. It was it was a bad pick at eight overall by the LA Rams, which is not surprising because he was drafted back when the Rams were kind of dumb and did everything dumb and just were a terrible team and just hated having winning seasons. So anyways, them's my thoughts on Tavon Austin. But uh, I'm going to take one more break. Then I want to talk about two people really quick, and we'll wrap this thing up. Again, I apologize how late this came out. I I did start this podcast at 5 o'clock in the morning. It's now 5.30 at night. There's a lot going on, man. A lot going on, girl. I'll be back. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was Mr. Dion Jordan. I haven't heard any Packers fans talking about it, although I haven't I don't think I've hardly been on Twitter all day. But there was some talk about a legal issue and that that essentially was resolved. And now that it's been resolved, somebody's going to swoop him up. In other words, teams weren't touching him because they weren't sure what was going to happen. I think he is going to be suspended. But essentially, now that it's everybody knows what it is, it's expected that a team is going to swoop in and grab him. So Deion Jordan, uh, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks, drafted by Miami in 2013 with the third overall pick. Currently 29 years old, six foot six, 284 pounds, uh, 4'6 speed. He's a defensive end, so typically if this was a Dom Capers defense, I'd say there's no point, but, you know, it's the Packers now and whatever. Just want to give some insights. I'm guessing not too many. Maybe this is why nobody's talking about it because I feel like we're satisfied at uh, off the edge. But I think with his side, he, size, he could be sort of an outside-inside kind of a guy. You know, a 3-4 defensive end that kicks outside in our nickel package as a pass-rushing down defensive end. But overall, he hasn't been a very good football player. He has nine sacks over four years. Granted, he hasn't played very many snaps. Uh, 330 is the most he's ever played. That was in 2013 and 2018. He does have a pass rush percentage of 11%. Not terrible. But again, at 29 years old, he might come kind of cheap. Uh, he would definitely fit in just as a, as a rotational piece. But I, just in case anybody was wondering about him, that's pretty much the long and short of it. Also very weird if we if we look at the grades. Uh Two years with Miami, his run defense grade was not good. Two years with Seattle, it was pretty good. His tackling has always kind of been on point. Uh, His pass rush was only good in one year. That was his first year with Seattle. He had four sacks in that year with only 60 pass rush attempts. That's 6%. But bear in mind, I'm not talking about pressures. I'm talking about sacks. That's crazy. His total pressure percentage in that year was 20%. So that's kind of what I think teams were looking at when he was drafted in the first round early at third overall. But anyways, given his issues off the field, whatever they may be, I didn't pry, I don't care. It might have even just been peds, I'm not really sure. But it's, it's don't expect this to happen. 
Finally, as promised, I want to talk about Mr. Mike Tyson, the newest addition from the uh, the Houston Texans, formerly Cincinnati Bearcats. He was a sixth-round draft pick, drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, apparently didn't make it, ended up with Houston. And this is one of those things I haven't talked about in a while, but you know, if you've been listening for a while, whatever. Whenever you see this, it's very, very rare that it's going to pan out. These guys get recycled over and over and over again, and, and even the timing of it doesn't speak very highly. This is this is basically the guy to just get us to 90, right? That's what this is. But you see this a lot. A guy gets drafted. He doesn't make the roster. Uh, he goes on the practice squad. Somebody picks him up like in November to be the practice, you know, off of another team's practice squad, which Houston started him in week seven. I don't know if that's exactly the path, but plays a few weeks, then gets cut. Another team picks him up, drops him, picks up, drop, pick up, drop, pick up, drop. There are several guys in the NFL that go through this cycle. Some of them never see the field. Others maybe play here and there. I guess it's not terrible news that he played um, five weeks. And actually three of those weeks was relatively significant. Total uh, 20 snaps in week seven, which was his first week. Bumped up to 61 in week eight and then 47 in week nine. He was actually a starter in weeks eight and nine, which is pretty nuts. But there's obviously enough there that they at least want to look at him. But anytime I see this, it just usually doesn't work out. I mean, there are late round and undrafted undrafted free agents that do pan out, but usually not guys that go through this path. The fact that he got drafted one year ago, and this is his third team in 365 days, not a great sign. But six foot two, 200 pounds, runs a four five six. Um, his NFL passer rating was 39.6, which is really good, but that can be very misleading, especially when you're talking about safeties. Basically, he was targeted only twice. None of them were caught. He did have one pass breakup on those two targets, which is pretty good, but not a lot of action. PFF did not like him very much. Uh, They gave him a 59.2 overall grade, which, you know, again, sixth round pick. He spent half a year with one team. He goes to another team, doesn't have very much time with them, gets thrust onto the field, doesn't do all that well, only has two starts, gets booted, or at least, you know, I don't know exactly. He must have gotten booted at some point. And now the Packers are picking him up. So we'll see. But again, outside of having a fantastic name and being a pretty jacked guy for a safety, I have little to no expectations. But anyways, we'll leave it at that. I hope you folks enjoy your, man, I don't even know, was it Tuesday? I think. Enjoy your Tuesday. I will be back again tomorrow. Have a fantastical day. Bye-bye.